again uh, after the break that we've taken over the summer to uh, biblical manhood here at Hope Church. I hope you're enjoying the series. I hope God's been blessing you. I hope you're reading your Bible. I hope you're praying. I hope that the grace of God in Jesus Christ has just been overflowing in your lives as you uh, realize his, his mercy and his salvation and you're becoming more and more sure on that and that you're ready to learn some more and just dig into uh, some, of, some more of what it means to be a man. Today we're talking about men as warriors, as fighters, and as defenders, uh, as a character trait, but also asking some specific and practical questions that um, I get a lot around uh, fighting and resistance and self-defense and when is it okay to punch a guy in the teeth, basically. I can tell is what most guys are asking when they ask that question. Uh, but yeah, we're going to dig into it a bit because there's there's heaps of misconceptions around pacifism and uh, what uh, the, the New Testament especially speaks to violence and manliness and all that. So uh, it's important to, to talk about men as having the, the character trait and the calling as defenders and fighters. Uh, this is because uh, going right back to the first couple of sessions, we are the glory of God and we've been made in the image of God. And we are to bear uh, uh, as, as much of God's communicable attributes or those attributes about himself that can be shared with us. We are to image as many of those as we can. We will do that best, of course, when we are imaging Jesus as best we can. But let me say that, uh, again, if we see a characteristic in God, uh, then it's good. And we should seek to uh, uh, copy that, to image that in a way that is in line with Scripture. Scripture is our authority uh, but, but uh, uh, as to how we do it, but we should be seeking to image God. And one way, that, uh, one of the ways that we are shown God in Scripture is that He is a defender and that He is a proactive warrior, and we should be the same. Uh, we can see in uh, Psalm 72, for example, let me get that up, Psalm uh, 72 verse 4, uh, one of the prayers towards God as the king is, uh, May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. It is a prayer for the king over the people to have God's heart in crushing the oppressor, uh, in defending the people who are needed. So, so a prayer for the king to be like God in that way. We can also look at... Uh, uh, not so much what is spoken of the king or any man, but we can see what is spoken of uh, uh, precisely of God in Exodus chapter 15, when God himself saves the Jews, delivers the Jews under Moses from Egypt's slavery and from Pharaoh who is pursuing them to kill them by taking them through that Red Sea experience. And they come out the other side and uh, Moses writes a song in victory and in joy and in praise towards God for his salvation. So you'll find that in Exodus chapter 15, the song of Moses. We sing a, a hymn here every now and then that is in, uh, inspired by this song. But, uh, you know, you see in, in, in verse 1, Moses singing of God says, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. Hear this. The Lord is a man of war. 
the Lord is his name. We can even uh, look at verse 7. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries, you send out your fury, it consumes them like stubble. God does not uh, uh, resist, does not hesitate at all to reveal through the inspired writers that he is, in Moses' words, a man of war. God is not a man. And yet God, when he's giving us this anthropomorphic or, or human example of himself, he says, I'm like a man of war. I'm like a warrior with a sword on my hip and a spear in my hand and a shield on my arm and a helmet on my head who sends my enemies running, who burns them to the ground, who spills their blood. God likes us to think of him in that way. Also, we can, we can see that Men, godly men uh, were fighting men. Uh, we see these, these pictures in the Old Testament. You, can, uh, you could go to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 23, uh, which I've got here. Is it, it tells us this picture of King David, who was a fighter and a warrior. Uh, one of the praises they sung of him was how he, he killed the, uh, the enemies by the tens of thousands. That's a good thing when your enemies are God's enemies. And, and then this chapter that we're going to briefly look at tells us about his mighty men. He had this, this team of three and a team of 30 and a team of 300. And, and so the concentric circles went in, in his army. But we're going to see here a picture of Old Testament godly dudes. And it says this, verse 8. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. And it names the, the chief guy, Joshua Bashabeth. Uh, he was a chief of the three. The inner three, the, the closest three guys to David, the secret service, if you want. He wielded his spear against 800 whom he killed at one time. At one time, he took 800 dudes down with one spear because God wants us to show, uh, God wants us to see that godly dudes are empowered to be fighters and warriors and defenders. And then we can uh, uh, look at verse 10, the, the next guy of the mighty three. He rose and struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clung to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day and the men returned after him only to strip the slain. Tells us that all the, the, the Jewish army ran and this one dude, the, the second of the three, was left and he fought off the whole Philistine horde such to the point that his hand, his hand uh, got, got uh, uh, calloused and gripped and frozen in place on that sword so that it wasn't his strength holding it anymore. It was his, the, the, the frozen nature of his bones and his muscles and he just kept fighting. The, the Israelite army only came back to plunder all the dead bodies of their swords and, the, and uh, treasures. Uh, so, so all of this to say, uh, not go and start a fight, but let's remove and let's step back from and intentionally uh, uh, remove mindsets in the Christian church and in our own uh, uh, pictures of what it looks like to be a man. Let's remove that if it holds, uh, if it has some kind of resistance or reluctance or softness around strong physical defenders and warriors, that is not an evil thing. That is a good, godly uh, 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 image of God in us that we ought to uh, uh, emanate and and in as much as the scripture tells us to multiply men were made physically stronger than women we are to defend them 
We are to be the, the providers as we've seen and the, the defenders as we're seeing now. It's in our body, it's in our makeup, it's in our calling. Uh, we're to be the shepherds over our home. And, and part of being a shepherd, you know, geez, we, we, we so often look at shepherds as, I don't know, the, the soft feminine guys who are standing to the side of the nativity scene with a cute little lamb. Sure, they looked after lambs, but they fought wolves, bears, and lions. Uh, they had a stick that wasn't just for pointing the way. It was for cracking heads. And it was also for fighting off thieves, human thieves. Uh, so it's not just against animals. Um, it, so in defense of their flock, and that's a picture for us as men. We need to be physical defenders and, and warriors and fighters over our home, over the people entrusted to us, over the children in our life, whether it's our physical children or the physical children uh, uh, or the children in the ministry we serve in or um, we oversee or our, our nieces, our nephews, these, these sorts of things. Um, <clears throat> so... Uh, on that, one, one question I want to obviously ask is, uh, and answer is people will often say, but New Testament, right, it's, it's wrong to kill. Uh, we shouldn't be warring anymore and taking up swords and killing uh, people from other races, right? I mean, that, that doesn't feel like New Testament. And of course, there's, uh, in the Old Testament, the, the enemies of the Israelite nation were also God's spiritual enemies. And Israel was sent to war against them by God himself. And, uh, and, and so it was ordained for them that, that defending the nation of Israel was defending the glory of God. And they were to do that by force, physical force through the sword. <clears throat> it's true that now we, we do not, Paul says in, for, um, <coughs> in 2 Corinthians 10, we don't wage war with weapons according to the flesh. Right? The, the kingdom of God is no longer a national kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom in all the nations of the world that is uh, overtaking the world by making disciples and producing a, 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 a world filled with kingdoms now devoted to Christ. That's glorious. But Christianity never advances by the sword. It is now a spiritual kingdom that people have to repent by faith, through the work of the Spirit. And so our sword is the preached gospel. Our weapon is, is prayer and godliness. And that brings people into subjection to Christ joyfully, with open arms, uh, uh, receiving King Jesus as their Savior. <clears throat> and yet, we still need to ask the question, is self-defense and physical violence acceptable for the Christian individual to be doing? And we can ask the question of the overarching uh, governments. Is, is it okay for them to engage in any violence? So let's answer the first question around the Ten Commandments. The Sixth Commandment, we're told, uh, do not kill. And some people just overapply that, overreach that, and put it in every single sense, in every single way. It's wrong to take human life. Uh, and um, it is wrong to murder. The word in the Hebrew is not do not kill it is do not murder uh, you are not allowed to take the unjust you are not allowed to unjustly take human life the caveats to that which make killing allowable is uh, that we see examples of in the scripture is in war it doesn't mean that as long as a war's on you can kill whoever you want but it means uh, participants in a war we can also look at capital crime. It is okay for the state, the government, to uh, take the life of people in accordance with the law and capital crime. 
it is also, uh, if the judgment is fitting for the crime that was committed. And it is permissible for humans to, and even Christians, to defend themselves, and this is true in the Old Testament as well, to defend yourself, even if it means killing the other person. So that was, this is, has uh, long been held as part of that commandment, is not simply, don't kill anybody ever, but protect human life, uphold human life, do not take human life unnecessarily, whenever possible, uh, uh, value it and honour it, and yet there are these allowable uh, instances where, uh, where killing and taking human life is allowable by scripture. Uh, one of the other um, uh, realities that we need to think of, this is helpfully put by Luther, although he made some strange applications. He said that there is uh, the word of God, the Bible, the Christian worldview speaks to not just individuals and not just you know, overarching governments. The Bible speaks to uh, officers and to people, people and people in, and, and the officers that they can fulfill. So that individually, it's not okay for you to take an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, whoever harms you, harm them back. And yet, if you as an individual are a judge in the court of law, it is okay for you to apply to judgment if somebody has stolen, somebody has um, damaged property, if somebody has assaulted somebody, the level of law should be equal. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. You damaged an eye, you pay for that equally, not necessarily with your eye. But, but in the law, what, what was written there was to say judgment and punishment should match the crime. And so the same man who is both a Christian and a judge will respond differently, uh, whether he is an individual person acting in that uh, capacity or if he is a judge acting in that capacity. And we need to not simplify scripture and simply say it only talks to persons and therefore governments and people in the army, uh, you're, you're never allowed to hurt anybody. No. Uh, and we're not going to uh, simplify it too much and simply say, well, that's only overarching laws and it says nothing to the individual. Not at all. Not at all. Um, so, the part of that, that, that um, uh, caveat that the, the sixth commandment, do not murder, the allowance that it makes around self-defense and not capital punishment or war, that doesn't apply to the individual. Self-defense applies to the individual. So let's talk about that. Self-defense um, is often spoken against by pacifists who say, no, no, Christians should all be peace-loving, uh, do not resist evil, uh, if, if somebody strikes you on the cheek, give them the other one, it doesn't matter, let people kill your family, pray for them, it's all okay, just you're never allowed to be physically violent and in that way of resistance and defense. Well, let's go to Matthew 5, because that's where it's often taken from. Uh, and we'll just sort of look in it, and I want to show you that that's not the correct takeaway of what Jesus is talking about that uh, is not at all a biblical way to understand it. So Matthew 5 verses 38 is where we're going to be. Um, and Jesus references the same law I just spoke of before. He says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now he's quoting the Old Testament law, but he's saying to the people, you have heard that the law, which was given to the governors and the, and the judges, You've heard it applied to everybody. And this is what the Pharisees of the day taught. 
that you should take an eye for an eye and you should retaliate one for one whatever somebody harms you or hurts you. So here's Jesus saying, that's a misapplication of the law. That's for the judge. That's for the, the legal system, not for you to pursue your own vigilante justice. And so in speaking of retaliation, not self-defense, Jesus says, I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. That is not an overarching, all-encompassing statement of anybody who is evil. We're told later on in the scripture to resist the devil. Uh, he's an evil one. We should resist him, right? There, there needs to be logical consistency in our hermeneutic, which is um, uh, uh, application and understanding of and interpretation of the Bible. There needs to be consistency here. Um, and so he says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And somebody take this and go, see, if somebody wants to harm you, you let it happen. And if somebody wants to uh, uh, kill one son, well, give them the other son as well. You know, let, let them have their way with that one. And, and if somebody wants to, uh, you know, steal your car, give them your boat as well. Uh, and and this, this misunderstanding becomes oversimplified, completely impractical. And truly, it, it neglects the calling you've got as a man to defend yourself, to defend other people who are under your care, and to uphold the law, which also uh, uh, commands us to respect property rights, right? Do not covet other people's things and do not steal other people's things. We're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. Uh, so, um, I, here, when Jesus says, if anybody, in verse 39, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. There is a, a, a cultural tool that will help us here, which is this reality. Um, uh, a backhanded slap was a particularly dishonoring, uh, devaluing, uh, degrading uh, insult in, the, uh, in Jesus' time in the first century. Uh, it still often is in Eastern countries today. Uh, I'm sure you wouldn't feel honored even in our culture if somebody was to backhanded slap you at work. Uh, and yet we know that that is precisely what Jesus is talking about the backhanded insulting slap, not the, the forehanded assaulting strike. Because in a right-handed culture like the Jewish nation, uh, if you were to be slapped standing opposite somebody on your, uh, your, your right cheek, it means that they're coming with a right hand from the other side. So it's a, it's a backhanded insulting slap. It sounds weird and strange, and I'm not saying there's rules about <laughs> uh, if somebody hits you in this direction, and if they're a left-hander, and if they're a right-hander from this direction, then you're allowed to do this or that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the force of what Jesus is saying is that if somebody has insulted you, uh, even harshly, even forcefully, they, they push you into the mud, they spit on you, they insult you and your family, uh, you know, your family name, and they utterly deride and degrade you, the correct response is not to take eye for eye and tooth for tooth and retaliate with hatred, retaliate evil for evil and uh, insult for insult. We're told as Christians from the words of Jesus, you would to rather love your enemy, forgive them, pray for those who persecute you, uh, bless those who hate you. Um, and, and so he gives some other examples here saying if somebody demands you um, to carry his... Uh, uh, luggage one mile, like the Romans were allowed to do to the Jews. Uh, if they demand you to do that, 
Well, you go even further. Go the extra mile, literally where that phrase comes from, and, and carry even further. Bless those who are seeking to degrade you by making you carry their luggage. Um, and so what, this is show, what all of that shows us is, and then he goes on to talk about loving your enemy, is that Jesus was not primarily talking in that moment about assault and self-defense. He was talking about insult and retaliation. And so uh, 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 that, that, that becomes quite helpful to us so that we're not confused uh, and, and simply bend the knee when, when people say, you know, you're not allowed to defend yourself because Jesus says, turn the other cheek and let me hit that one too. <clears throat> so uh, the other thing that this is quite hilariously ignorant of is, is that in the, the scripture, we see that Jesus' disciples carried swords. He even commanded them, you know, that the time is coming, it's going to be hard, you're going out onto the, the uh, um, forsaken highways, carry a sword, it's going to get dangerous for you. Uh, Jesus wasn't saying carry a sword because uh, it, it'll look nice or because, you know, it, it'll, it'll scare people off by seeing it only, he's saying, carry this with you. I'm sending you literally on my gospel preaching mission, but you're going to go to dangerous places. So, uh, you know, pack a Glock and some extra ammo uh, because you're going to need to defend yourselves. That, that, that clearly shows to us that Jesus is not against arming yourself legally uh, and defending yourself. He was not saying, take a sword and if people don't repent, cut them down. No, uh, and he's not saying today that we should go into other nations or go into our neighbor's house and hold them at gunpoint until they believe. No, he's saying though, self-defense is good. You need to protect your life. It bears the image of God. Uh, we also um, need to realize, and, and maybe actually, I'll just say here, some, some really specific examples. In They're going to take the form of, questions I've heard in the last few months uh, and so I'm just going to sort of repeat them and speak to them hopefully putting feet onto this discussion before we sort of wrap up um, one situation might be okay I'm uh, I'm walking along the street somebody starts a fight uh, with me and uh, am I allowed to defend myself maybe he's drunk maybe he's high maybe he's just taking swings at people because he's angry am I allowed to defend myself as a Christian absolutely yes you have an obligation to defend your own life and to keep yourself safe. So he starts uh, coming at you. You're allowed to knock the guy down. You're allowed to do whatever you need to do to uphold human life and protect people's safety. Which means that if you sort of uh, run away from him around the corner and then he starts wailing into some old lady, that's on you. You should have used your God-given abilities and uh, faculties to, uh, to stop this man who's going around in an, in an assault. Um, however, that doesn't mean that any amount of force is permissible. You know, if a dude is shoving up against you and, and, uh, and, and he's drunk and he's taking swings and he's missing and you take out a cricket bat and beat his skull in, that's going to be breaking the Sixth Commandment, which says to uphold life when at all possible and you'll go to prison and that'll be fine. I'll come visit you. Uh, but, but then the situations can get more complex. Often people say, well, what if I'm uh, with my girlfriend or my wife and, and somebody starts uh, um, attacking her? Am I then allowed to step in? Of course, absolutely. Yes, God is a defender. God's made us to be defenders. Your woman, whether you're married or not, that woman is, is your responsibility to keep safe. You better believe until she goes home or you take her home because you're married, uh, until you die, you are to protect that woman and any other woman around 
especially uh, the woman that you're uh, uh, courting or married to. You defend her and uh, again, you do as much damage to that guy or those guys or that gang or whatever it is, you do as much damage as you need to to ensure that that woman is safe. Which means you knock the guy down, maybe you need to give him an extra whack so that you have time to get away before he gets up. Maybe you can give him a good shove and then get away uh, uh, quickly. Whatever you do, you, you do whatever is necessary to do to keep other people safe because this assailant has lost his right to not be uh, hurt and harmed. He's an assailant. Uh, now, the, the, the other one where it can get tricky is people go, well, what if I'm being persecuted? What if it's because I'm a Christian and uh, some guy is coming at me uh, uh, wanting to punch me out because I'm a Christian? Am I allowed to resist him? Jesus says, do not resist the evildoer. Well, uh, it's really up to you um, in, in one sense. If you think your life is in danger, seek to protect it. Uh, you, you bear the image of God and it's that you're trying to protect as, uh, as somebody is uh, attacking you. You should seek your own life to be protected. We see this in Paul. Jesus does this at certain times except for when he's being crucified. Uh, Peter does it. Uh, we see this, the, the Christians doing this in, in the scripture of, of, of fleeing so as not to die uh, persecution, from persecution. That's fine. You need to promote and protect your own life. If, however, it's not going to be a matter of life and death, and somebody is simply harming you, hurting you, maybe even a, a small level of assault, uh, uh, you know, they're going to whack you with something as they go by, they're going to throw something at you, they're maybe even give you a black eye, but you've got reason to believe they're not going to do much more damage than that. Uh, you can defend yourself. You absolutely can. Um, there's nothing saying you, you have to... Uh, uh, continue to um, let your body be bruised right up until the point of death. However, you're also free to take that on the chin, uh, turn the other cheek, and again, in as much as your life is not in danger and your body is not in danger of being permanently damaged, you're free to, to, to take a black eye for Jesus, to, uh, to you know, get a blood lip for Jesus, to um, have something thrown on you and have to, yeah. So that's okay, that's up to you. However, Here's where it gets, again, tricky. People say, well, what if I'm with my girlfriend or my kids or my church family and, and there's kids around or women around and, and, uh, or just brothers and, and somebody's attacking us, but it's for Jesus. Often I hear the example, what if a gunman comes into church and, and you know, for the sake of killing uh, Christians, starts mowing, uh, you know, has the intent to start mowing down the church. People go, well, that's persecution. We, we shouldn't uh, defend then. Not true you're still to defend other people. Now, if you want to die for Jesus, you can. Uh, if you want to uh, die for the testimony of Christ, you can. Uh, uh, but even if other people are willing to die, even if they say, I'll die for Jesus, your responsibility, not theirs, your responsibility is still to defend them, is still to die to defend them if necessary. So uh, I, I hope I'm just pushing back on all of the the, the, the quasi-manly um, notions of, of New Testament Christianity, which says basically it's always a sin to throw a punch. No, it's not. You need to defend other people, even if they're being persecuted. You need to defend other people if they're not being persecuted. You need to defend yourself, whether it's persecution or uh, simply an assault. The only time you're permitted to let somebody else die and be assaulted is if... 
uh, they are wanting it to happen. They're willing to accept this. And uh, basically your only other option is killing the assailant. Uh, if somebody is saying to you, and they're a man, okay, women and children, we defend them no matter what, even if they don't want us to. But if a, a, a Christian brother is saying, <clears throat> I'm willing to take this on the chin, I'm willing to get assaulted, willing for this to happen, uh, and, and really your only other option is to, is to take somebody's life, leave it. But if he says that, and you say, well, I don't want to watch my brother get hurt, I'm going to step in, and you can defend him and free him without killing, then you're free to do that. But basically, there's going to be a hundred different applicable questions, and I'm just trying to say, dudes should fight. Dudes should, let's just be super practical here. Learn how to fight if you don't already. Learn how to throw a good jab and a hook and defend people. Uh, maybe do martial arts of some kind. Um, uh, teach your sons to fight. Teach your sons to know how to defend other kids from the bully at school. Uh, teach them how to be wise with their strength so that they can tell teachers and tell adults when they need to, but also step in and protect people if those other kids are getting hurt. So yeah, teach your kids to fight. Uh, um, this also means <clears throat> uh, that we need to uh, be, be not just physical fighters and defenders, but also that we need to be willing to fight the fight of faith. It's so imbalanced. If we just think as men, you know, need to be bold and walking around looking for the next fist fight. Ultimately, your strength is given for the glory of Jesus. Your, your testosterone is given for the glory of Jesus. And Paul says that we ought to fight the good fight of faith. Uh, the good fight is the fight for the gospel. Uh, defending truth. Defending doctrine. Uh, praying for people, laboring for people in ministry, serving them uh, as the New Testament guides us to, giving time and effort and money to the local church in order to see the kingdom forces pushed forwards. Uh, fight the good fight of faith. Use that strength and tenacity and fight that you've got in your bones against your own personal sin, against the temptations of the devil, against those things in your life. That is how uh, the individual Christian man should should uh, 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 gather his strength in fighting the spiritual battle, always through prayer, in submission to God's word, and for the glory of Jesus who saves us. This also means that if you are personally humiliated uh, or insulted, you need to fulfill Romans 12, which tells us not to retaliate, not to uh, return evil for evil, but to give mercy where we are insulted. He says... Um, uh, let me just cut some of this short. Let's go straight to verse 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For he says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So where there is personal insult, maybe in the workplace, maybe on the street, maybe online, uh, maybe in your family, do not retaliate, but show the love and the spirit of Christ who, uh, as Peter says, when he was insulted, he did not return insult. When he was uh, dishonored, he returned honorably. That should be the heart and soul of the Christian man, willing to fight and defend other people and defend life, but willing to absorb insult and humiliation and avoiding retaliation to show people. I love Jesus more than myself. To show people. 
I'm, I'm actually not all that great, and, and your humiliating of me uh, is, is, is not even as bad as I deserve. Now, Jesus will sort this out, and God's pretty wrathful. He might just catch up to you with this anyway. <clears throat> Paul says, leave room for the wrath of God. And then I just want to say, uh, uh, in, in wrapping up here, that, that in all of our time as we look at manhood, we, we need to be looking at Jesus. We need to be looking at Jesus in the gospel and not making manhood some kind of sta uh, standard that I need to measure up to. Uh, we need to remember that, that Jesus is our warrior and our defender. Even though we're men, we need a warrior and defender to bring us into reconciliation with God, who was our enemy because of sin. Jesus is that, that perfect man who, who never experienced cowardice, who never drew back from the fight, who never left his bride, the, the, those who have faith in him, never let us to defend ourselves, never let us get hurt and harmed by our spiritual enemies, but, and, and especially by uh, the, the legal condemnation because of our sin. He stood in, he came down, he uh, uh, took responsibility for us, he defended us, he saved us, he even went to the point of death for us, sacrificing himself for us in both an act of humility and warrior defending. He did both of these in the cross for your sins and for my sins, which does two things. Let me speak to the cowards. Some of you would uh, uh, cower away from a fight, whether it's theological, whether it's uh, personal, whether it's defending other people. You are just not a fighter. And God wants to give you some strength. God wants to turn you from a coward into a warrior. However, you need to know that your sins of cowardice and your sins of being afraid and your sins of uh, not being bold enough uh, and letting other people get harmed in, in different ways. Um, Jesus has died for those sins. You need to let them go, uh, repent of them, uh, acknowledge that Jesus has paid for them and start walking in a warrior defender mindset. And to the men who have been overly violent, overly uh, uh, physical, physically minded in terms of intimidating other people, over retaliating, you've been violent and forceful. Jesus has also died for those sins and he calls you to temper your rage, uh, remove your anger and focus rather on the glory of Jesus so that you are not retaliating, you're not intimidating, but you are strong and you have meekness, you have gentleness when you need to be, uh, uh, when you need to be gentle, but strength and defending warrior-like passion when you need that as well. Uh, and for each of us, those who call Jesus our Lord by faith, all of us who have been justified by God's grace, all of us who have been made one with Christ in union with Him by the Spirit, we ought to seek how we might uh, uh, spur one, each other on, one another on to love and good works as we seek to be men who defend those around us, who are willing to fight when necessary, but are gentle and meek and lowly and humble uh, when it comes to our own reputation and personality. God bless and I'll see you every week in the